up and testify. Let's give Steve a hand, amen. Amen, amen. Uh, welcome to, uh, to MPI. It's definitely good to be here. Um, as a lot of you guys know, you guys heard, uh, or if you didn't hear, I'm not going to get into it, but if you want to know, you can ask me after the service. Um, but my mom getting into a, a motorcycle accident and, uh, and almost losing her life, her fiance died on impact. And um, real tough time, real, real tough time this last month. And, um, and I'm not going to talk about her testimony because I'm believing that she's going to walk in this church and give her own testimony. Um, but what I do want to talk about is what God has been doing in my life because of this situation. And, um, and it's definitely been a, a faith tester, you know. Um, for anybody that had their mom almost lose their life um, and having to visit your mom in the hospital and see her in such a condition, you know, missing limbs and, and things like that, it's tough. You know, any, any human being is going to ask God why, you know. And, uh, and if you don't, then I would question, you know, your, your humanity. But I asked God, you know, God, what is going on? You know, it, it looks like this, and it looks like she's not going to make it. It looks like all type of horrible things. You know, this is what it looked like. And it still looks like that. I seen her yesterday, and I had to really hold back tears. It's my mom, you know. But, um, but one thing, man, that God has done during this situation is make faith come alive. You know, a lot of us, man, we say, man, we believe in God, man. You know, I, I have faith, I have faith, but really we, sometimes we just have faith in faith, and we don't have faith in God, and we don't have faith in his word. We just have faith in faith, and we say, yeah, I have faith. And during times like this, my, my faith has been tested, you know, but God definitely has shown me things through this predicament, man, that even though they may look like certain things, you know, may happen for the worst, God's word is still the truth. And that is what we stand on. It's not by sight. It's by faith. And I want to give this, this verse, man, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is the faith chapter. And it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And it's, it's real simple. It's explanatory. If you really look at it, it's, it's something that you don't see. So with my mom, I seen death. I seen horrible things. You know, that's what it looked like. That's what the doctors were saying. But I had to stand on faith, something that I don't see. I had to stand on God's word, something that we don't see with the naked eye. But God said to trust me, and I'm going to work this out. And by the grace of God, it looked like it was not going to happen, but she's alive. You know what I mean? And they saved her leg, and one day she's going to be able to walk again. And one day she's going to be able to, to, to be completely healed from her mind and her head. And though it may not look like it, God said it, and his word says it. And by faith, even though I don't see it, I believe it. And God is going to do it. And I don't know what you're going through, what situation may look like. God, I don't know how you're going to take me out of this. God, I don't even know what's going to happen. What I would say is just believe in God. Have faith in his word. It may not look like God is there. It may not look like God is doing something or God just ran off and took a vacation to the Caribbeans. Man, God is there. And when you go through this thing, you're going to be able to look back and as Moses did, see the back of God and know that God was there. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord God, that you're not just a God of fairy tales, God. You're not, Lord God, a Pinocchio, God Almighty. You're not just some kind of Cinderella story, God. Father God, you are God Almighty, God. You are the creator of heaven and earth, God. You're alive and active, 
God, you're trustworthy, Lord God. You're secure. You're sovereign, Lord God. You're all-powerful, Lord God. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're a provider, God. You're a creator, God. And I pray that in this place today, God, you will begin to work out in the lives of your people, God, because you're God Almighty. Have your way, God. Make a way when there's no way, God. Provide, Lord God, when nowhere else is coming, Lord God. Provide, deliver, heal, Lord God. Make whole. In Jesus' name, amen.
taken you out of so many things. God has spared you from so many things. God has delivered you. And right now, come on, can we just sing our own song to Jesus this morning? A song of love from your heart to his. Come on, it doesn't matter who's standing next to you. It doesn't matter what you think somebody else is thinking about you. Come on, is he worthy of your praise? Come on, this morning in this church, we're going to lift up our worship to him. Come on, can you lift up your worship to your king, your savior? We love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Yeah. Come on, lift up your song to Jesus. your praise. Come on. Come on. Close your eyes and get alone with him. Come on. Your secret place with him. Just tell him, Jesus, I love you. I love you. If that's all you can say, come on. Lift up your worship to him. that's for someone right now I don't know what family you come from or what job you have to walk into tomorrow or what situation you're in but because he lives we can face tomorrow because God is alive you can face anything you can tackle any mountain any struggle because he lives and if he lives in you come on the Bible says greater is he that is in the world than he Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, if God is in you, if Jesus is in you, we can do all things through him.
cross has run the war. The cross has won 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 the this heart of prayer and this heart of singing about the cross singing about what Jesus did if you're like me you've heard it your whole life Jesus died for your sins you've heard it your whole life but let's hear it afresh Jesus died for your sins your sins the things you've done and the things that have their hold on you and as our sister was singing, the cross has won the war. We're going to be taking communion in a few moments to commemorate what Jesus has done on the cross for each of us. But I want us to reap the benefit of the cross today. That is forgiveness of sin and freedom from sin. We're going to be having a sermon on pornography and sexual sin gets so many and addictions get so many and unforgiveness. We're going to receive the benefit of the cross today. Everybody between you and the Lord, call on Jesus. Ask him to set you free. Name those specific sins in your life that you need freedom from. I'm feeling like in this place, there's people and they're just stuck and they can't get themselves out of certain sinful patterns. Again, addiction, sexual addictions, wrong relationships, wrong thinking, unforgiveness. Come on, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you and free you from these sins. Lord Jesus, come on, call on Him. Do we have a church here that believes in a God who frees us from sin? Call on the Lord. Say, Jesus, set me free. Come on, name it. Get it, get free, get free, get free. Everybody, maybe you need to come up to this altar if you need to get free from certain sin today. Come on. If you need to get free from certain sin today, you need to call on Jesus. Lord, set us free from lust. Set us free from addictions. Set us free, God, from our unbelief. We want freedom, Lord. We've been singing about freedom, Lord. Let us experience freedom. Come on. Come on. I wish I had a church that could call on Jesus this morning. Call on the name of the Lord. Believe that he will do what he said he would do. Lord, we believe you. You set us free from our sins. 
that we can live a blessed life so that we don't have to do those things that displease you. And those that destroy us. Come on, get freedom. Jesus, we thank you for freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Come on, if you need freedom, claim it. Claim it. Believe God that he sets you free. Sing it. Falling on every face. Jesus, there is freedom. Sing Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Falling on every face. There is freedom. Let's, let's just hold that there as our ushers pass out the elements of communion and we put the scripture on the board from Mark chapter 14 we're going to take communion as a family here as God's people and remember what Jesus did for us at the cross let me explain a little more in depth why we take communion everybody receiving it Mark chapter 14, this is Jesus eating with his disciples the night that he's betrayed by Judas. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. So today we're going to remember the body of Jesus. Someone could please get me a cup. The body of Jesus, thank you. Which is represented in this wafer. You could all take it out. He says, take it, this is my body. What does this mean for us that Jesus' body was whipped we've all seen passion of the christ he was whipped and mangled what does it mean for us that his hands and feet were pierced what does it mean that a spear was thrust into his side what does it mean that a crown of thorns was dug into his scalp what does it mean for you and me is it just an event of history or does it have significance for our lives Jesus says, this is the body. 1 Peter 2.24 gives the significance of the body. It says, he himself bore our sins. Everyone say, my sins. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you are healed. So I want us all to take this wafer together when I say so. And as we do so, we understand he died for our sins, not just that our sin could be forgiven. And that's beautiful, right? That your sin can be expunged 
from the record of God. And you can have a clean slate before the Almighty. That's wonderful. But it's also freedom from sin. Forgiveness of sin, freedom from sin. That the things that used to keep you, you have no obligation toward. And that's what I'm trying to get us toward. And that's what this message is really going to address today. Something that binds so many people. But Jesus sets us free by the cross. He bore our sin. So let us take this here remembering. And and by his wounds also we are healed. If you need healing, it was purchased at the cross for you. So if you you just need healing in your body, take this in faith with me. Let's take the, the wafer here together. Thank you, Lord. Now let's prepare to take the cup. When Jesus gave his disciples the cup, he said, this is my blood of the covenant. Now, covenant's a big word that not a lot of people use, but the best way I could illustrate a covenant is marriage. Amen. When two people enter into a covenant to love and serve one another as long as they both shall live. And God says, this is the blood of my covenant. Jesus is making a vow to us with his blood to love us, to be with us, to make us new, to adopt us in the family of God, to forgive our sins, to give us a new life, to have a welcoming into his kingdom forever and ever. That's his part of the vow. He vows to do that for us, and he gave his life so we know we can trust him. Amen? Our part of the vow is this, trust and believe. Trust and believe that he is who he said he is, that he would do what he said he would do. By taking this, we honor the covenant. We're in covenant with Jesus. We receive the benefits of salvation, of life everlasting, of being a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus and what he did for us. Let's take this cup together. Thank you, Lord. Having done that, I just want to take a few moments just to celebrate. The war was won at the cross. How does it go? Whatever you were singing, I want to sing that. Let us receive the benefits of the cross today. Amen? Let us receive the forgiveness and the freedom from sin. Let us receive newness of life. Let us receive covenant relationship with God and the blessings thereof. Let us lift up our hands. Every, everybody in this room, raise your hands and sing with our sister that there is a war. It was won at the cross, and we are victorious with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Declare it. Declare it. Come on, the cross has won the war. Jesus triumphed by the cross over your sin. Over the mess we've made. Over the devil. 
over everything that keeps us from God's will. The cross has won the war. Hallelujah. The cross has won the war. Hallelujah. Shalomaye. The cross has won the war. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you. Because of what Jesus did for you, that the war for your life is won, that Satan is defeated, sin is defeated, and this day forward, and you may have been serving the Lord for a while, you may be new to this, but, but here today, and for the rest of your life, and into eternity, because the cross has won the war, you can live for God, you could do God's perfect and pleasing will, amen? We just celebrate. Just give God a hand clap. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. You are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We could all be... Well, let's remain standing. We're going to say this confession of faith together. And we just want to reaffirm what we just said. We believe Jesus died for our sins and he rose on the third day. What we believe matters so much. So we want to say it again and affirm it as a church. This is our confession. Everyone can repeat this with me at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a moment to fellowship. Go and greet somebody. I dare you to find three people you don't know and give them a big hug. Amen. Keep it holy.
Amen, amen. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Make some noise. Like King David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Woo, I'm feeling good this morning. I feel Jesus. I'm feeling so much love for you guys. It's so good to see all your beautiful faces this morning. Welcome to Metro Praise International. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, if you could just wave your hand in the air if this is your first time. A lot of new faces today, a lot from evangelism as well. Uh, thank you for coming. If you did not receive one of these cards at the door, uh, our ushers will give one to you. Please just fill out the bottom card and drop it into the drop box in the back. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. Our two main services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and every Friday. Elevate! They meet on Fridays at 7 p.m. That's for our teenagers, 11 to 18. If you know any teenagers, please invite them. Let them know that the hottest youth group is happening here, okay? They are on fire for Jesus, and they're ready to take all their high schools. Right, guys? Amen. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. It's loving God and loving people. Say, loving God. Loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. There's three parts. It's connect, mentor, and send. First, we want to connect you to Jesus. We want to get you connected to the church. So on the back of your handouts, if you guys could just pull them on out, we have our life group schedule. It shows you the name of the life groups and all of their locations. Please find one, especially if you're new to Metro Praise, and get connected. And this is just a snapshot uh, coming up of what's happening this week. Wow, this is a busy week. I got to get a little bit closer. All right, so Sunday today, our worship team life group is meeting. It's for 201ers, the ones that are in the 201 class and up, uh, 12.30 p.m. Also today is our adult fellowship life group. So if you want to have some fun after church, 21 years and up at 3 p.m. Sunday as well. Again, today our single mamas make some noise. Single mamas with child care, 5 p.m. Wednesday every week we have our King's Kids life group. It's for children from infant to 11 years old. And you can drop them off at 6.30, pick them up at 8, and they are a part of a girls club and a boys club for Jesus called Royal Rangers and Impact. Bring your children, let them get plugged in. Friday, we have our adult Bible study. Make some noise. We've been going to that. They have child care there as well, 7 p.m. This Saturday, we have our sidewalk counseling where we go and we minister to the people at the abortion clinic, okay? We want to encourage the mothers that go to not make the decision to step on in there. So that's for 18 years and up. This Saturday, meet here at 9.30 a.m. Actually, Jared, do they meet here or do they meet at Elston? Meet at the clinic. Address is right there, 5086 North Elston. Saturday, we have our Elevate Life Group, bowling and pizza, 11 to 18 years old, meet here at the church at 4 p.m. And Saturday, every Saturday, we have our evangelism team going up. All ages welcome, 5 p.m. Give it up for yourselves, for all of you guys that attend all the life groups throughout the week. And if you have not gone street evangelizing, I encourage you to do so because it's just going to build up your faith and we want to win Chicago for Jesus. Amen? Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. Welcome to your new life. This is a book. It's the 101 book that we call it. 
and it's seven steps to your spiritual growth. If you're new, we have leaders that are ready to take you through this book, meet with you one-on-one. -on -one. Then when you're done with that, you'll go to our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is our leadership training class where we equip you, we teach you, we train you how to defend the faith, live holy, live free, and go out to share Jesus with others, which brings us to send. Somebody say send. And we want to send you out to teach people, preach the gospel, to teach them about Jesus. And then our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. Praise the Lord. Look to your neighbor and say, it's so good to see you here this morning. Amen. At this time, I'm going to be doing the tithe and offering lesson from the Disciples Giving Book. And if you want to pull out your phones, you know, if you could go to your Safari, you could go to givingbook.org, and you, you can follow along in the lessons there every week. This book has four sections. We're on the third section on stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. stewardship. It's probably my favorite section so far in this whole book. And today we are on lesson eight. And you could also turn to your Bibles. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 25, verse 23. So lesson eight, stewards are to be faithful. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. Somebody say, I am a manager. Let's read this passage of scripture, Matthew 25, 23. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's look at some of these main points that we could get from this passage of scripture. Three points. Number one, God will judge our faithfulness. Jesus taught his disciples to be ready to face God on judgment day and give an account of their lives. The most important aspect of the judgment will be in regards to the disciples' faithfulness to do all that God commanded him or her to do. We will hear one of two things. Depart from me, I never knew you you evildoer, or well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. So we will be held accountable to every deed, every word, every action. We will be judged according to our faithfulness. So everything that God has entrusted us with to manage in this life, we have to remember, we got to give it back to him, give him the glory. Number two, we are to be faithful in little. Even Donald Trump, in comparison to God's riches, has little. Therefore, we are to always be faithful with everything we have been given by God, whether it's our talents, our finances, our family, our ministry, or our career. Everything belongs to Jesus. Number three, faithful disciples will be rewarded. Jesus promised to reward his faithful disciples with the true riches of his kingdom. Therefore, don't let the temporary pleasures, somebody say temporary pleasures, of this world to tempt uh, of this world tempt you to be faithless for example some may think withholding their tithes benefits them now but in the long run they will lose the true blessings of god i want to share with you a quick story it was a couple years before i got married i was still living at home with my parents my dad worked at brock's candy factory for 25 years they closed he lost his job I lose my job at the same time I was working at a Christian school and they were changing 
uh, the vision of their employees and everything. And my mom was the only one working. Both my parents came from Greece, no high school diplomas. She's a waitress at a banquet hall. And now all the pressure was on her. And I'll tell you, my parents never stopped giving tithes and offerings. And this was a six-month period where it was very tight financially. My mom continued to pay my school bill. I was going to Northeastern. Everything was paid for in abundance. God gave my mom more hours. Tips went up. I mean, God came through. And sometimes we think when things get tight, you lose your job. You know, things are going hard. I'm just going to, you know, save the tithe right now, not give it, not give my offerings. Because that's kind of like the difference that I need. And we don't understand that that actually ruins um, what God wants to bless us with. Amen. So do not withhold the tithe and the offering from the Lord. Because when we give it, he is going to come through in faithfulness. Amen. So that's why whatever he gives to us in the little, we need to be faithful to him. Amen. Summary, be faithful with little and God will give you much. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is a 10% of your total income, and your offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, always remain humble and see yourself as God's servant. And three, be faithful to everything God commands you to do. Come on, make some noise. Say amen, Jesus. You may remain seated uh, at this time. We're going to do this confession seated, and we're going to go into some announcements for our missions trip. So I don't want you guys having to stand this whole time. So on the count of three, let's confess this. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. God is good. God is so good. How many guys can testify to God's goodness in your life? Amen. I know I can. Uh, at this time, we're going to uh, give you some announcements about our Philippines missions trip. Come on, we are so excited about that. We want to thank you all for your faithfulness to giving. And we're actually going to be passing out uh, some more pledge cards at this time. So if you uh, have never received one, actually, we're just going to pass them all down along the lines. Let's get our missions pledge cards ready, ushers, please, because we started this fundraising in January. And since January, we've had a lot of people come, new people, and we've never reiterated this pledge. So we want to give you guys an opportunity to do so. But before I go into that, I want to share with you how much we've raised thus far. You guys have given $13,818 of the $20,000 goal, and the year is not even over yet. So God has been so faithful. You guys have been faithful before the Lord with your pledge, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of the leadership at Metro Praise. And so you can see how much we have left to raise, 6182 and we believe that God's grace and power, we will meet that goal. So the reason why we're handing out these pledge cards is because we want some of you new people to make a pledge to the Lord. Pray, ask Jesus to give you an amount that you can pledge between now and the end of the year. And so this is kind of what we've averaged. If 30 people gave $50 a month, we could reach our goal of $1,600 a month, which is where we want to be so that we could get to that 20000 mark. Right now we're a little bit low. We're at the 1300 mark. If 30 people gave about $50 a month, we would be able to get that 1600 up every month until December. And so we just need new people to come on board 
And, I, you know, the amount is between you and Jesus. We just kind of average that out to give you guys kind of like a picture of what it, it, what it could be like if you guys made a pledge. So whatever you can give, you make that pledge between you and Jesus. And so uh, we also made a change in the dates. We were supposed to be going in December, but we're uh, changing it just because of some personal issues that came up with K&M because they're, host, they're helping us host this, and we're going to their country, and we have a lot of connections there with the pastors. So since they weren't able to do it, we're going to postpone it until the summer of 2015. We're so excited about it. It works actually better for everybody's schedule with Joe pursuing his uh, degree, uh, just everything. We're just trusting that as a man plans his course in his heart, the Lord is determining the steps. So we're totally trusting in Jesus that he's planning out the details going before us. Uh, in all the planning. So the missions trip to the Philippines will happen in the summer of 2015, and we will only be continuing this fundraising till December. We're not going to be ex- December. We're not going to extend it. So we're sticking to the one-year goal. And so we just need all of you guys to come on board, and the money will remain in the savings account until then. And I need Ricky Rivera, if you could please come on up here. He's one of our governing elders. Let's give it up. He's on our financial committee. And he's going to share with you about how we secure the missions funds. Uh, amen. Uh, yeah, just on behalf of the church, we just want to say thank you so much for your support. Uh, we take finances very serious. We're taking this mission trip very serious. Anything that deals with God, we take it very serious. So thank you for your support. We've, as you can see, we've raised a lot. And so uh, uh, we want to encourage you, like Nancy said, to, uh, you know, to pray to God and see what amount he will put in your heart for you to uh, continue to support this to, to the end of the year. Um, we're going in the summer, like Nancy said, uh, it, which is great because, you know, it gives opportunity to establish a stronger uh, relationship with the, the pastors over there. And uh, for M and K to really go because they're doing so much behind the scenes, it would be a shame to go without them. So uh, we have this, all this money in a separate account. Uh, so it is specifically and solely will be used for this mission trip. It is secure. It is, uh, it's just it's not going to be used for nothing else, for anything else. It is just securing the separate account. And so uh, we're just uh, putting all the money in there so that when we take this mission trip, everything, we will give it away to the people over there. We're going to be passing out Bibles, doing relief work, feeding the hungry, preaching the gospel. So we are doing this. So maybe not everyone's going to go over there, but as a church, we are allowing this team to go over there and represent us and represent God. And so all the testimonies that we would hear, uh, people coming to the Lord, demons being cast out, the signs, wonders, and miracles that we should all be praying for, that's because we made that happen as a church. So uh, everything that we give, every, every penny, uh, thank you, and just know that it's going to for a great cause, and, and we just want to go out there and just uh, give God glory and just make the name of Jesus known. Amen. And any questions that you have about missions, uh, uh, finances, please feel free to ask me. Amen. Thank you. Ricardo, right here. High five, baby. And guess what? We have a special guest. That's why I'm coming up. Pastor Ray from the Philippines who moved to Chicago and is now an evangelist. Pastor Ray, would you come, please, and tell us about the ministry? Let's give it up for him as he comes. Pastor Ray, we love you so, oh, come on, come on, come on, we love you. Pastor Ray, I remember watching Pastor Ray preach when I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He came to the, yeah, long time. How many years have you been in ministry? 54 years. 54 years of ministry, come on. I saw him preaching, 
in my home church in Fort Wayne, I was newly saved, and I saw his fire for God. And I said, Lord, if that's what the Philippines has, I want to go there. And our church used to go to the Philippines, right? So many years passed by. We don't, I don't see him. I don't know much about him. Then one day, he comes into our church building on Irving Park and says, Brother, I want to welcome you to the neighborhood. He had a church right by there. And from then, we've been friends. He's now retired, but he's refired in a way, going back around and preaching all over with churches in the Philippines. So this is one of the pastors we're going to be working with in the Philippines. And I just want him to share a little bit of his life, his ministry. Brother, just take a few minutes and preach to us. Can you do that? I still got to get back and preach, but preacher, do something. No, no, no. I, I, I came to be fed. Okay. I've been traveling, and so I have a free Sunday today. I just arrived from Vienna, Austria, and was there for one month, taught in a Bible school, and also speak spoke in four different congregation, a Filipino church, an African church, it's an American church, English-speaking church, and then Austrian church. And I was there for four months, and they booked me in for next year for three months. And so it's been fantastic. I pioneered the church down the road from where you used to be, and I did not know. I forgot about him, so I just feel in my heart New church in the community, I've been here before them. I better welcome them, not knowing that we have connection in the past. So God knows things to put together in a beautiful way. And so this morning, well, my friend, who is Dr. Don Willis, he has a big choir in, here in Chicago. White American guy, he preaches like black, <laughs> a black guy. They are inaugurating their new sanctuary in Alsip, Illinois. And uh, it's a brand new church. Their, their church is called Lighthouse Church. And I was supposed to go there. They invited me. But then I felt like, no, how come I've been feeling inside of me? I should be here. You know, so I changed the direction. I came in and I walk in and that faith over there. Used to be at Faith Tabernacle when I preached there and I baptized their boy who's, uh, who, you know, and then I, that's over there, you know. I saw him grow up from knee high all the way, you know. And I'm so glad to see them here. And then, of course, uh, him and, uh, and Kay and, and uh, Gretchen and some few people that I know before. But it's good to be here. I just want to encourage you. You know, I was disappointed that it was canceled from December. I already wired them and I would tell them, I said, the crew are ready, but it's good. It is good because then summer, our summer here, there's a school over there. Then we can hit campuses because next year, uh, our organization, our church there, which we have 40 churches, and we are launching out in next year a campus explosion, envision, uh, campus envision, Explosion evangelism or evangelism explosion. So I was there last uh, few months ago, last May, and we got her all. And so we are targeting the biggest universities and high school in the Philippines. I'm going back from Italy. I'm leaving for Italy in, in the end of Ju Ju uh, October. And then from there, I'll be flying to the Philippines, getting ready for your coming. But in, because you're not coming, I'm going to be going there preparing more. 
I would rather that we will have more to sit down. I've been wanting to sit down with him. We never could connect because I would like not just for you to go over and, and travel from different, but I would like to have a minister's conference and input more, you know, put a shot on the arms for all of the pastors and leaders of the churches that we have mentored and other churches that are under the covering of our ministry who are not a who are not directly our churches, but I am overseeing them. I, I, I'm so glad for the opportunity. July 16, I celebrated my 70th year old birthday. I started preaching when I was 16. And then August 16, I celebrated my 54th year in the ministry. I feel like I'm young, you know. Uh, I, I feel like I'm just beginning. And so I'm excited. I told Pastor Joe, I said, this is too small for you. You know, I walk into the door. Your wife met me at the door and with me. And I walk in there. I saw that guy there. And, uh, and I said, "Why I'm in the right place. But I felt something here. You know, if I am, you know, I feel like in my heart that whenever I am free, not traveling around, I will be coming here. Because I would like to support this man. You know, folks, there are few churches now in the metro Chicago area that love the presence of God, that love worship and give worship the first priority in life. And your church is like that. I will not be embarrassed to invite somebody here. I have a friend who just arrived from the Philippines. Uh, he came here for work and vacation, Ariel. Would you stand up and just, this is his first time to be in Chicago, you know? And... Uh, and he's one of our leaders in the Philippines. And uh, he's, he's a great man of God. He's just shy and timid. But once you get to know him, you will be surprised. Amen. So sometimes shallow river is noisy river. But a deep river are quiet river, but they're more deeper, you know, than you think. So thank you for the warm welcome. God bless you. And keep up. You know what? Is it okay? I was just about it to do that. Is it okay? Could you just stand up? You know what, folks, very few pastors that have a heart from God who treat ministry as business. You know we treat it as a business, but it's a calling. So I want you to love your pastor, support your pastor, rally behind the vision of the church. Do not be just a pew warmer. Become involved and participate because regrets are always at the end. Our times is very limited. We are living in a borrowed time. We are coming to the close of the age. And what must be done must be done quickly. And we cannot waste any more resources or time, energy, and talent. God needs that. So I want you to stand behind your pastor. Encourage them. Pastors are like anybody else. Their problems. You know what? Your problems is their problem. But their problem is their only problem. But you have somebody to run to. And sometimes we need to reconsider that they are, though they are broad shoulder, sometimes the weight gets heavier. You know, lift them up in prayer, you know. Uh, lift them up in prayer, encourage them. You know, there is no congregation, no matter how rich it is, cannot afford to pay a pastor. They are your physician. They are your accountant. They are your counselor. Everything. You know, but it's not all money. Just a little bit of appreciation. Just a little bit of kindness. Take them some time for a coffee 
break at Starbucks. That means a lot, you know? Not McDonald's, okay? But what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is that the saying that goes this way, you'll never miss the water until the wells run dry. Your opportunity to be a blessing. You know, we need to graduate from being, a ble from being blessed to becoming a blessing. We need to step out from being somebody who is always wanting to be lifted up and start lifting up others. Father, I thank you for your servant and his wife who responded to the call of the ministry. I thank you for the anointing and the power that rests upon their lives. I pray for the increase of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and the release of the Elijah anointing upon their lives. Breaking through the barriers that Jordan River separate them so that they can walk in confidence in the power Power of your might and father demonstrate your power and your ability through them I pray right now that you minister to them emotionally mentally physically spiritually financially I pray that you will enlarge their territory you will expand the horizon of their influence in the mighty name of Jesus and Lord I pray that you will uphold them with anointing that comes from you sustain them with a grace that is sufficient every day of their lives and I pray right now that you will continue to unfold your purpose and your plan upon their lives in the name of Jesus prosper and enlarge this ministry my God break every barriers of limitation and let them step into the supernatural movement of God hallelujah Father, I thank you for your servant. I pray even right now, Lord, you're saying to him, he who hath begun a good work in you will perfect and finish it until the day of your calling. My God, I thank you for this man and his wife. Oh, hallelujah. Raise up men and women out of this congregation. Hallelujah. To touch the nations of the world. Father, we thank you for that 50 churches all over Chicagoland area and 500 churches around the world. We believe it is possible for God all things are possible. Now Lord bless 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 and I say bless blessing upon blessing blessing upon my God, my God, my God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I thank you that we have met again, Lord, and you have connected us one more time. In Jesus' name. Amen.
मेरी ब्लोरा दिखला जिस मूवी के धोखे में डरे ये बोकस ये जीसस नहीं Oh, amen. Let's give it up for the man of God. Woo! Oh. Woo! We live to make Jesus famous. Amen. You can remain standing. We're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, I want to apologize because I've actually been telling you guys to do the wrong thing in the envelope. So if you guys are giving, please mark on the envelope the amount under tithe, building, or missions. Not just make the check. So if you guys could prepare to do that at this time, uh, we'll just go ahead and recite Acts 20.35. Acts 20.35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your power and your presence in this place. We thank you for your faithfulness, your blessings, your prosperity over your people. I pray, oh God, that as they are faithful with the little that you've given to them, that you would continue to give them much, that they would be blessed to be a blessing, that we could see your kingdom come to this earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, bless this offering and the people that, uh, that give God faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Come on, give it up for Hot Topics. Today we're talking about pornography. Come on, we're not clapping for pornography, but for Jesus. Give Jesus a hand clap, amen? Woo, Pastor Ray, oh my gosh. When I hugged you, brother, it was like electricity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're going to have him come back and preach, amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. 
Never take the anointing lightly. The anointing is tangible. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's like the wind. How many of you all feel the wind in the windy city, right? How many felt it a couple days ago? My trampoline took off from my backyard, went over the fence that is this high, and then flew into my neighbor's house. Praise God, it did not break any windows, but they estimated it was 70-mile-an-hour winds passing through the suburbs into Chicago. Now, guess what? There was no way for you to stand out there and not say you felt it, right? And there's no way to get around God and the people of God and to not say you feel the anointing. It is tangible. It is like the wind that blows against your soul. Amen. And how many know pastors need prayers? Pastor needs the anointing too. Amen. So just keep our family in prayer and Pastor, we just love you so much. So if you have time, we'll take him out to his first Chicago meal. If not, we'll just kidnap you guys and keep you locked in there for a while because I want to learn from you and that wisdom of 50 years. Today we're going to learn about pornography, and we're going to go into a lot of different subjects and, and, and uh, areas of it. So I want you to follow along with the notes. It's online. If you're not friends with us on Facebook, please do so. Metro Praise International, like the page. And there right now is a question board for you that while I am preaching, if you have any questions, you can go to Facebook, and I'm going to check it at the end of the message in case I missed it. The only thing is it's not what? Anonymous. So how did I tell you to ask an anonymous question? Say your friend wants to know, okay? So is it, is it pornography to look at, you know, nude statues at museums? If you, you know, my friend wants to know. Okay, just put that at the end. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, half of you are there. I'm waiting for you to get there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. It's here on our notes as well. Go and scroll down a little bit more, gentlemen. The Hot Topic Sermon Series is not just to be... Um, controversial. It's not just to get your, uh, you know, your neighbor to talk about our church, you know, like, oh, your church talked about pornography. No, this is really to inspire you to know the truth of God. Gentlemen, just listen to me quickly. Go to the notes. It's on the notes that I sent you guys for hot topics. As we're getting ready to go there, what hot topics have we already covered? What was the first one? Abortion. Did you guys learn something? Come on, we learned about not killing the unborn. Every child is alive. Every child has a body, and it's not the mother's body. It is the child's body, and we don't have the right to do that. And then what was the message after abortion? Jewish laws, not really something that you would categorize coming up all the time, but it comes up in a roundabout way about people saying, oh, we, you know, we don't have to keep all the commandments of the Bible because they used to stone people back then, and we don't do that, so maybe things have changed, like homosexuality, maybe other things have changed, and people don't understand how to apply the Old Testament to the New Testament, and what did we talk about last week? Alcohol, it was a tough subject, but we understood that, yes, it's, it can be done in moderation, but you cannot abuse it. So if you're going to use it, don't abuse it, and understand that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And so today is pornography. We got the scripture up, starting in Matthew 5, 27. Jesus talking. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit what? Adultery. You shall not have sex with another man's wife. You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks on a woman lustfully, everybody say it together, one, two, three, lustfully, thank you, has already committed what? Adultery with her in his heart. So we're talking today about pornography, which is really by the Bible's definition, adultery of the heart.
In the Old Testament, Jesus said adultery was just two people getting together and one being married and them cheating on their spouse. Now adultery is any time you lust in your heart. So guess what? If you thought we were just going to talk about what's on a printed page, you're in for a surprise today. We're also going to be talking about what's printed on your mind. So some of you may go, Pastor, I don't go to BigHooters.com. I don't go to, you know, to, to this website. I don't check out this website. But you know what? You may have things on your mind that are impure that you need to change. You may be treating the opposite sex or even the same sex with a heart that is impure. Let's keep reading. Now, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Why is Jesus using this parabolic language, a metaphor? Because he's telling us this is how serious it is. If your eyes cause you to sin, get rid of it. So how much more so should we get rid of Internet accounts if they cause us to sin? Husbands and wives sharing a Facebook account if they cause us to sin. I am not afraid of sin, but I understand that I can sin, so I need to put boundaries in my life to make it easier to live for God and harder to sin. It's not legalism. It's just between me and God. And so you've got to be honest as we're listening to this message. What are things that could make you stumble? There was a time where I couldn't go to the beach. When I lived in New Orleans for about seven years, we would go to the beach, uh, the Gulf Coast, all the way from Louisiana to Alabama, Mississippi to Florida. And there were times that the Lord said, Joe, you can't go to Pensacola Beach. You're not ready to go there. Why? Because what would I see at Pensacola Beach? I would see everybody exposing themselves. So you know what the Lord would do? He would tell me, you know what, drive down here and I'll tell you where to go swimming. So, you know, the beach is the beach, but the only difference is some places don't have all the restaurants and everything. So I would keep driving and then I would get to a place that had trees growing up and rocks and everything. And the Lord goes, that's your beach. That's where you're going to spend it in Florida. Why would the Lord do that to me? Because I was saved at 18. I was a high school dropout. And by the time I was 18 years old, from 15 to, six, uh, 15 to 18 years old, I already had eight sexual partners, and I had caught in two uh, sexual transmitted diseases or infections, as you would call them. I was a sexually active young man, and as a new Christian, God knew that this could make me stumble just going to the beach. So he said, you like water, you like sand and all that, here you go. What's God going to ask you to do? Who knows? Who knows what he's going to ask you to do? It's not going to come from me being legalism. I'm going to give you some boundaries that everybody has to avoid, okay? You can't go to triple X websites. You can't do that. So, but we're going to know that's kind of obvious. But where does the rubber hit the road? That's going to be between your husband and wife, your children. What are you going to do to guard your house and not let that junk in? What are you going to do when you're by yourself, single young men and women? Are you listening? You've got to set up those boundaries in your life. Because if your eye causes you to sin... And to stumble, gouge it out, because it's better for you to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into where? Okay, do you guys understand heaven and hell is at, at stake here? Do you all get that? So what we're talking about pornography today, we're not just talking about something that Miley Cyrus does and gets to sell tickets for, and we just go and talk about it and say, oh, she's gross. No, Miley Cyrus is causing people to go to hell. When she takes off her clothes and dances on stage and then we put it up and call it entertainment, if you're watching that and stumbling over that, your eternal destination can be affected. Now, praise God, there is forgiveness. But if you're saying, I'm going to sin so I can be forgiven, I'm going to sin so I can be forgiven, let me ask you a question. Would your landlord let you do that? Not pay a bill and stay another month. Not pay a bill and stay, would your landlord let you treat them like that? 
Why do we think God is any different? God is a gracious God. But listen, grace is not cheap. Grace is transforming and it's costly. Not costly for you to work to receive it. It's costly that it took Jesus to die on the cross to give it. And when you treasure it, you will not want to abuse it. You will want to properly use it. So what does grace help us do? To keep sinning so we can say, nobody's perfect, Pastor. I'm a man. I got needs. I've got to let it out sometimes. And then I ask Jesus, forgive me. Is that what he's asked us to do? To just let it out and ask for forgiveness? What if we treated every sin that way, not just immorality? What if we treated murder that way? Boom, 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 in traffic. Nobody's perfect, police officer. Nobody's perfect. You know, God said nobody's perfect. You can't judge me. Are you happy that murderers get judged today in court systems? Okay, what if everybody treated stealing that way? Well, nobody's perfect. I'm just going to steal from you today. Take your purse. We tell, we, we tell uh, uh, you that your neighbor stole it from you, and then you go see him next week here at church, and, and you say, why did you steal my purse? Well, nobody's perfect. I just ask God to forgive me. Do you think we should keep letting that person steal purses in church? Come on, somebody say, keep it real. And then he goes on to verse 30, and if your right hand, hello, fellows, put your right hands in the air and wave them like you just kaya and say if you love Jesus. Hold on. All the men, put your hands in the air. And if you love Jesus, say oh, yeah. And if you're going to not use them for pornography, say yeah. Amen. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Jesus seriously says this to us. I told you in the Old Testament, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you now, don't lust in your heart. He then goes on to say, if your eye causes you to sin, your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to go to heaven, missing eyes and an arm, than for you to go to hell, living a life of lust. Did Jesus mean what he said? I believe he did. Now, would Jesus ask us to do something we cannot do? So is Jesus saying to us, hey, try to jump eight feet high? No, because no one could do that. But what he is saying to us can be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live pure. This pastor has been serving God for many, many years, over 50 years in ministry, now 70 years old. He will tell you, God has kept you, has he not? And God has kept me. I'm going to tell you my testimony now. Not to brag so that you then say, oh, my pastor's so awesome, which I think when I tell you my, t- my testimony, you're going to be like, I'm happy my pastor's like that, because if I was looking at porn all the time, you probably wouldn't want me to be your pastor. If you did, that would be a weird kind of pastor then. But let me tell you my testimony real quick because I feel like if there's any guy that's a macho guy, like I am that macho guy. Other than the fact that I don't really watch sports and burp, I feel like I'm the most macho guy in the whole world. Okay, like I am like macho. I'm a manly man. I hang out with dudes. We play sports. We wrestle. We slap each other's backside. I'm competitive. I don't like to lose. I remember the first time we did like a uh, a church picnic, and I was like slamming the ball, and some like lady was there just from the church, and boom, it hit her in the head. She's like, Pastor, and I'm like, No, don't pastor me. If you come on the court, it's going down, lady. No, that, I mean, like, that's for real. That's for real, for real. I don't know if she comes to church anymore. That may be why. I don't want a pastor like that. No, but I'm telling you, I'm as manly as can be. And, and without going into details, every part of my sexuality works and has always been normal for men. So I'm not like some asexual, weirdy person that can live without sex. No, like every part of my body from a teenager up until now has a normal sex drive. Somebody say, preach it. 
That's weird you said that with me, but we're still going to preach it. But here's my testimony. I was introduced to pornography, and I'm going to call the big M-word masturbation. I'm going to call it sex with self. How many are glad I'm using that term instead of masturbation? Okay, so everybody say sex with self. And by the way, 11 years and under are supposed to be back there in the children's area, okay? So at 11 years old, I discovered pornography and all of these things and how to make love to myself, okay? And then from that point forward, I began to mess around with girls. And by the time I was 15 years old, I lost my virginity. And then from 15 years old to 18 years old, had eight sexual different partners, sex multiple times with those eight people and caught two weirdy things that I'm not going to talk about, but I had to go to the clinic and get it taken care of. And my wife always wants me to clarify, it's healed and it's gone and it's every, everything's good, okay? So sometimes, like, people get these weird visuals, like, Pastor got that. Well, first of all, it wouldn't matter if Pastor had that because you would still love me anyways, right? Even if Pastor used to be on Boys Town turning it out, wouldn't you still love me if I was saved? Because you got to love somebody. I say, you, you don't know where somebody else has been, so let's not judge each other if we're in Christ, right? In Christ, we're a new creation. So anyways, 18 years old, I give my heart to Jesus. Well, like a typical man, all the way through that time, pornography and sex with myself was very common. Well, a year into Bible college, I got convicted that this was not what I was supposed to do. I was 19 years old. I was home on Thanksgiving break, and the Lord convicted me from looking at my mom's um, magazines with bras and brassiere. So parents, you got to be careful with that. I don't want to tell on some dudes here, but dudes, you know what I'm talking about. Be looking through the J.C. catalog, J.C. Penny catalog. Woo! Okay. And the Lord convicted me, and he said, you can either have me make you pure or you can stay dirty like this. And I said, Jesus, I want you to make me pure. Now, as God, as my witness and the accountability partners from the men here, that was 19 years. Oh, I was 19 years old. Now, Almost 17 years later, I have not looked at pornography or had sex with myself. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. Can you just clap for my sobriety in pornography? Now, that's a pretty big deal. And guess what that set me up to do? That allowed me that when I dated Nancy, I never touched her inappropriately. She never touched me. So we got to have a dating relationship that was pure. And then when we got married, I got to get it on to the break of break at dawn and be blessed by the Lord. Amen. I was so blessed by the Lord because I had saved myself for almost 10 years from 18 to 28 years old. I am telling you, this man had so many hormones running through him. I was like on fire that if I just touched Nancy's hand, I was like, whoa! I mean, I had to be careful because it was real. Are you all listening to me? I'm just keeping it real. Now, I'm just going to ask you this question. Are you just going to sit back and let pastor be on the, the hot lights today, or are you going to be honest with yourself? When was the last time you looked at pornography, lust, and had sex with yourself, things like that? When was the last time? Let's be real. Now, throughout that time, have I in my heart entertained impure thoughts? Yes, I have. And to the place where I'm in, in, in my life right now, I was going to uh, be honest with you from start to finish, probably about once a week, I have to wrestle with that kind of thought. Like, am I going to imagine this person that I've seen either on the TV or the streets or whatever in my imagination as a sexual object? And sometimes I have defeated it. Other times I have lost it and I have had to repent. But I have noticed that where that line of pornography used to be, I am now very, very far from it. And if I see myself going down there in my heart and mind, I can stop, 
repent if I've gone too far and ask the Lord to turn me back. And so I want to ask you to make that your goal and to go further than where I've ever gone and to ask the Lord to make you pure and to set you on another level. Because now I'm meeting people in this church that are saying we're dating, but we don't even want to kiss until we get married. And there's a couple couples I'm looking at that they didn't kiss till they got married. Amen. Chris and Monique, give it up for them. So Nancy and I, we're kissing. We were, on a, we, were, we were on that level, but I had to know when to put on the brakes. Let me give you some stats about pornography and this battle that we face in our culture. 42% of all Internet use today is pornography. Think about that. Almost half of the people getting online are looking at stuff they're not supposed to. The average age that somebody starts looking at pornography is just 11 years old. Now, that may not be a big deal to you until you have kids. How many have parents, or parents, now you have kids around this age, and you're already thinking, oh, God, have mercy, right? I don't want my children to do what I did at 11. How about this as a stat? 68% of young adult men, 18% of women look at pornography at least once a week. 85% of men, 48% of women use pornography about once or twice a month. And I've been seeing that as well. So, those who look at it weekly, a little bit lower. But those who will look at it once a month, about half of the women will look at it once a month who are online and over 80% of the men. Now look at this stat. This will blow your mind. 88% of pornography that you're viewing when you're looking at it shows some kind of sexual aggression. How many have heard of the book Fifty Shades of Grey? Talking about whips and chains and choking and all this. It is turning to a very violent place, and now almost 80, over 80% of it is now turning towards aggression. Is it any wonder that we're seeing the rapes and the child molesting the way that we see it? Around 8%, look at number six, of teen girls report, report in the U.S. having group sex because they viewed it in pornography. So already we're almost to the point of one out of ten. One out of ten teenage girls are starting to have orgies. Now listen, I remember reading the Bible, Galatians chapter 5 said not to have orgies. I remember reading that 15 years ago in youth groups, and all the kids, including the youth, would just laugh and go, oh, oh my gosh, orgies. Like that was like crazy. To, like we would not have imagined like people our age were having orgies. Like that was just crazy. Seriously, now you go to a youth group, people know people in that youth group, if not themselves or people they know who have had group sex think about how popular lesbianism and bisexuality has become that used to be looked at just as pornography to see two girls kiss or two guys kiss just 15 years ago you would have to buy an x-rated video to see that kind of action now it's displayed on public tv think about that and the average age of the first group sex for that girl is 15 years old and now, see how it con uh, connects directly to adultery. 208, you are 218% more likely to commit adultery if you've looked at porn. So people who are looking at porn are over 200 times more likely to have an affair sometime in their life. So they may say, oh, no, this is not a big deal. This doesn't affect me. This doesn't affect anything. Not only is it desensitizing you to sexuality, not only is it ruining your sexual experiences because you're only sad with this fantasy world, but it will then take you out of a committed relationship to actually commit adultery. Hence the reason why our generation is so perverse and not getting married like they used to. Remember, we've talked about those stats before. And as a matter of fact, this whole message and the stats here are a part of a bigger message that I preached, God and sex, that's already online. You can see all the stats even more so about how it's affecting our marriage. Now, let me make it personal. Somebody say make it personal. 
if I didn't already. Let me take it to another personal level. This is me as your pastor, how I have seen it personally in this church, okay? Now, we understand adultery is also considered lust, and pornography is not just a printed image. It's also what you think about. Are are we making that connection? This is not one of the issues of the church. This is the issue of our church. This right here, sexual perversion, is the biggest issue of Metro Praise International. Now, of course, there may be other things that go on. There may be issues that people face in their Christian walk, but this right here is the biggest issue that I hear as a pastor. That means if there's going to be a leader, an elder, a deacon, a 201, an or somebody coming to me who's loving Jesus, and they got a confession to make, nine times out of ten, it's going to be related to their sexuality either to pornography, to what they're thinking, or how they're acting. 90% of the time, it's my number one issue. Are you guys tracking with me? Think about how serious this is, my number one issue. That means you're a part of this church, so it may be one of your number one problems. 99.99% of the men and women I see struggle with porn, struggle with living pure in a dating relationship. So the moment I see young adults say, yeah, I still struggle with this, I still struggle with this, almost every single time I now see them struggle the moment they start dating. The moment they get into a relationship, there's a problem there. Why? Because they've never disciplined themselves how to be by themselves and trust themselves. They can't trust righty. How are they going to trust being around you? Hello? Hello? Are y'all getting this? Y'all think I'm just, oh, I'm not even going to go there right now. But 99.99% of problems that I have to deal with in sexuality stem back to the lack of integrity in their personal life. Next thing. When I started in ministry, here goes for the women. When I started in ministry, this is 1995, brother, so I'm on my way to my 50th. i got to keep going. Uh, 1995, about 10% of the women, whether it was our leadership in SU in Bible college, people I knew, about 10% of the women would say, this was a struggle. Either reading these kinds of books like Fifty Shades of Grey or back then it was soap operas or, you know, sex with self, about 10%. Right now in the church with women, I'm seeing it go closer to half. From the report from our women's ministers to my wife and people telling me, they're saying about half of our ladies are dealing with this right now. They're dealing with inappropriate imaginations, inappropriate fantasies, and this results into inappropriate sexuality. And look at number four. A hundred percent of the people I know who have committed adultery in their marriage, they also had a problem with pornography. So I know there may have been people that have cheated on their wife that didn't deal with these kinds of things, but all the ones that I have counseled, men and women, I have seen a hundred percent of the time, if there is sex outside of their marriage and we trace back, have you been watching inappropriate movies where they're exposing a lot of their bodies and having sex? Have you been reading these books as in the women? Have you been reading these articles? Have you been involved in that? Yes, men. Have you been looking at pornography, going to strips clubs, etc.? And by the way, let me just tell you something, ladies. If he starts off the marriage the night before in Vegas at a strip club, that ain't your man. God did not tell you to marry an idiot like that. If the way he wants to start off the marriage is all up in pornography and visual stimulation, you tell him it's over. He even mentions Vegas. It's over. It's over. You know where he needs to go for his bachelor party? He needs to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Send him to Chuck E. Cheese, ladies. Play the bowling game. Play all that. Not even game works. No, you're going to Chuck E. Cheese. That's where you're going. 
You're going to go in the bounce house. You're going to do the head and shoulder, knees and toes with the kids. Now, if you're asking me, is it getting worse? I mean, of course it's getting worse. How many know it's getting worse? Pornography is just getting worse. It's on your phone. It's in the music. I mean, it's getting worse. It's, 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 I mean, just from when I grew up to now, it's so worse. Now, why do I think that? Here's some quick things. Number one, easy access. Before, we used to have to, as young kids, go into a magazine store or get one from our parents or et cetera. Now kids can have it on their phones. And how much more for us as adults is that tempting or on the computer? Number two, light porn is everywhere. We've just changed the standard of what we call pornography. Before, showing nudity was pornography. Now you'll see reality shows all the time with pornography, and they'll just black it out a little bit, but it's still pretty much the naked body or doing perverted things. Also with lesbianism and homosexuality, which is one of our hot topics we're going to get to as well, God loves everyone, amen, including homosexuals and lesbians, but this is now being more prevalent in our society. And, of course, the book Fifty Shades of Grey just proves that, how prevalent this has become. And look at some of the, city, uh, the shows, the sitcoms, Death Desperate housewives? That's light pornography. And everybody was like, oh, I like Eva Longoria. She pretended to be a harlot on TV. What is cute about that? What about sex in the city? And these are old now. I don't even knew, know the new ones, but I know they're going to another level. They're going to more debauchery. Number three, it's popular. Before it used to be, you know, embarrassing to say you had sex with yourself or you looked at nude things. Now it's so a part of our culture that our kids, our teenagers, men at work, it is normal. As a matter of fact, when you take a stand against sexual immorality in your thought life and your life, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You know, of course they might have had problems like this in the 50s, but at least they still uh, pretended to be differently, you know. Maybe their heart was wicked, but the culture didn't uh, give popularity to wickedness. Our culture now has given popularity to wickedness. Does everybody understand the difference? Maybe the heart hasn't changed, but how we come together as society has changed. Also, it's easy to hide. This, like others, uh, unlike other sins, is, is easy to hide. You know, you start stealing, you're probably going to get caught. You know, you start cheating on your taxes, you're probably going to get caught. You have a problem with vulgarity, you're an angry person, you're a violent person, you're probably going to get caught. You have a problem with pornography, who cares? Who's ever going to notice? It's not until you come to a church like this that we talk about it, right? Nobody else really asks you about it, like, in a way to really, like, help you. When was the last time, you know, you were hanging out with your guy friends, and they were like, hey, man, how you doing with that porn thing? You've been staying away from it? They're not going to talk about that. If anything, on the job, men, they're just going to ask you, like, hey, how's it been? You, you got that magazine? Did you see so-and-so naked? I mean, that's the way it is because it's so popular. It's easy to hide. And lastly, everybody say lastly. It's deceiving. Right now, our culture, because it's made it's popular, because we see famous people doing it, because we see it as a part of our movies and all of this, we now are deceived mentally and have changed our value. We've changed the value system. So, for example, when I say you should not watch, and I'll start with some young adults and we'll get a little bit older here, but when I say young adults, you shouldn't watch Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, do you agree with that standard? See, young people will be like, what's the big deal? She's just naked hanging on a wrecking ball. What's wrong, Pastor? It doesn't show her nipples. You know, it doesn't really show down there. But come on, what's wrong? See, the young people will just justify it. They'll say there's nothing wrong. Now, the same thing is with an older person. If I say, when was the last time everybody else that's not a teenager, you watched a movie and a woman took off her shirt and you saw her breast exposed? 
Did you feel bad about it? Did you fast forward through it? Did you shut it off? Did you walk out of that movie theater? Most adults are going to be like, of course not. I mean, come on, Pastor, I'm not going to walk out of that movie. I'm not going to, you know, shut that off. It's not a big deal. It's just a woman's body. I know what a woman's body looks like. You see, we have become desensitized and changed the standard. I remember uh, one time Brother Anthony was telling me, this is my pastor in, in New Orleans, he was telling me that his young children were about four or five years old and they were walking by a magazine art, uh, a magazine row one time in the grocery store, you know the kind of things they have there. They were walking by and they saw it and they turned away and they said to their dad, Dad, she's naked, cover it up, cover it up. And he said to himself, he said, how many times have I walked by this and not even paid attention? And yet, and of course, he doesn't have a lustful heart. But it, it becomes so desensitized, you don't even notice it. But his children, who were raised in the fear and admonition of God, walked by and instantly understood, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. Now, I want to help you today to see the naked truth about porn. How many like that right there? How many want to see the naked truth about porn? Number one, everything outside of God's plan for sex is a form of porn and need. Everybody say porn and need. Pornania, I'm having something wrong with the mic. Can you get me another mic, please? Pornania, Galatians 5. Everybody turn there. I want you to see this. We're going to close out, but I want you to get some nuggets before you go. We don't just want to preach at you. We want to help you get set free. And the Bible says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You can be free from porn. You can be free from sexual immorality. You don't have to be a part of that ever again. God can change you, will change you. How does he do it? By the blood of Jesus. And I wish I had time to talk about your identity today, but I already want to just wet your lips and your appetite for the next sermon series coming in October will be your identity in Christ. But today I just need you to trust me on this. I don't have time to develop it all, but I got to give you a few points. If you're in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, can you say that I'm there? Thank you. The acts of the flesh are obvious. What are these, the acts of the flesh, your sinful body? You've been born again on the inside. You have the nature of Christ on the inside. But your body that you still live in has desires. It is not you. Your stomach, when it's hungry, is not you. You have to understand God made you a new you and has given you the mind of Christ. But your brain and the body will still tempt you, but you can always count it as dead and live for Christ. But I want you to know it will come natural to a flesh to do these things. So even though I am born again, I am new in Christ, my body could naturally be stimulated to have sex with someone other than my wife. So what do I do? My inner nature crucifies the flesh, considers it dead as in past tense, and does not go into temptation. Are you with me? So how has Joe avoided this for 15 years? By being so holy, by going up to a mountain and meeting a monk and learning how to walk on rice paper? No, I have done this by putting faith in Christ and trusting him that my old man is dead and a new man lives within me. And that new man is empowered by Christ and greater than all that's in this world amen and I can pray to the Lord lead me not into temptation and believe that I will receive that every time amen and that's all I can get into for that but here it is the acts of the flesh are obvious which are sexual immorality that one of those two words sexual immorality is actually the Greek word pornania everybody say pornania now you put graphia next to it graphia which is graphics in Greek you've got the word 
pornographic. But the word pornania encompasses it all. Whether it's a graphic or whether it's in your mind, pornania says it best in the Bible. It is considered immoral. It is considered outside of God's original plan for your sexuality. So here's God's original plan for sex and everything involved in it. One man, one woman experimenting and enjoying that together. So if you have sex with yourself, it's immoral. It's outside of God's plan. If you have sex with people you're not married to, that's immoral. It's out of God's plan. Is everybody with me? You have sex with the same sex. It's still immoral. So there's only one way to have sex and sexual things, heavy petting, touching, all of this. I can't wait to see some of your questions if you get into that. But anyways, heavy petting, you know, all of that. All sexual behavior is supposed to be where? In marriage, with the opposite sex, God at the center, and for life. Everybody with me? Because he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is the naked truth about pornia? It's outside of God's plan. And it's something that can keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Now, number two, guess what? Jesus talked about this in Luke 8, 14, when he said that there is a weed that can choke out your spiritual life. Luke 8, 14, and you can just look at it to save time. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, somebody say they go on their way, but they are choked by what? Life's worries, riches, and pleasures and do not mature what will keep you as a little seed growing strong for Jesus from maturing is if you're worried all the time you're lacking faith and trusting in God that will keep you from maturing loving money will keep you from maturing and what is the third thing pleasures if you put pleasures before pleasing God you will not mature if you put God first, he will give you the desires of your heart. And then you can sing, there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. Once you're married, there ain't nothing wrong. Okay, y'all with me? There's nothing wrong with it then. It is a blessing. How many married folk are blessed up in this place? Come on. Amen. So we, we put our pleasures under the cross and let God give us the fullness of joy through his commands that are not a burden to us. Doing it his way is not a burden, but it truly gives us the joy of heaven. And I don't have time to get into this, but over-sexualization will take away the joy of your sexuality. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've burned out your heart for romance. You've burned out your heart for the human body because you've looked at so much plastic images and graphics and, you know, these things on uh, pornography and TV that you have forgot simple holding of hands. You have forgot simple pecks on the cheek and roses for lunch to your girlfriend, you know, unless dudes want that. But you know what I'm saying? You have forgot those things because you've been over-sexualized. Get rid of this junk and you'll find pleasure just in holding her hand, just in laying next to her in bed if you're married. Amen. Sometimes Nancy says, just hold me, hold me. And I'm always like, no, no, I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I'm too whatever. But then sometimes when I just let her kind of like, you know, like a little cat is like, mm, come next to me, I'm like, this is awesome. I should have done this before. Because just being in love is awesome. Amen. Number three, Paul prophesied that there would come a time when people would love pleasure rather than God. Rachel, would you come, please? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the what? Last days. We're in the last days according to the Bible. 
2,000 years have passed since Jesus. And what is one of the marks of those things? People will be lovers of themselves. Isn't that the heart of pornography? It's really prostituting yourself. And you, and, and you love yourself, but you're really abusing yourself because you don't know how to love God more than yourself. If you denied yourself and loved God, he would teach you really how to treat yourself. But because you're loving yourself outside of God's plan, you're really prostituting yourself. You're worth more than your own stimulation. You're worth more than something you look at on TV to make you feel like you're special. God has a certain someone to be in your life to truly compliment you and love you. You're worth more than pornography. And so Jesus says that when you do it his way, you will find joy everlasting. But the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so if you give your sexuality to yourself, it will be destroyed by yourself. But if you give it to God, it can be lived out in pleasure forevermore. I really believe sexuality is a beautiful thing. Let's not be ashamed of it, and let's not pretend we all don't have it. Amen? If you don't have it, we'll pray for you at the altar for healing. So what's the conclusion? We live in a time of sexual sin. It's being displayed in media, people's lives, fantasies, and the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to do it through our sexual behavior. However, Jesus said, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, and we can have the abundant life of God in our sexuality. Amen? And so there's three things we can do. It's very simple. Number one, be humble. Don't be prideful when you hear a message like this. Be humble and admit, where are you at in your thought life? Where are you at in what you're viewing on, online or in entertainment? How are you behaving with the single person you're with or married people? How are you treating your wife and what do you do with your eyes when you're out by yourself? So just be humble and admit who you are. And then admit who Christ says you are and believe that. Amen? Number two, be honest. In this church, we exemplify discipleship through our accountability, or we exemplify accountability through our discipleship. So the 101, 201, we're just there to ask tough questions so that you can stand strong in who you are. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, was methodical in discipleship, yet he believed that man could truly love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He didn't view accountability as a means to being perfected in Christ. He viewed accountability as borders we would set up in Christ for our perfection is worth keeping, and we shouldn't cross over those lines. Something to think about. And then lastly, be holy. Jesus didn't, uh, Peter didn't say through, uh, Jesus didn't say through Peter here, try to be holy. But in 1 Peter 1.14, he said, be holy, for I am holy. Be perfect, for I am perfect. So how do we have holiness and perfection in us when a body still has imperfections? Is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you consider it like this. Consider your soul as that bottle of water that's been cleansed and made pure. You're not half dirty, half clean, or half uh, dirty and half clean, yeah, and uh, trying to work it out every day of your life. No, the Bible says you're bottle of water is pure. 
Okay? It's holy when you're born again. But sin comes in, and it defiles, makes you unclean. Now, what does the Lord ask us to do when we sin, if we do, to repent and go back to that place of purity? So what is the standard place of the believer's life? Dirty or clean? Clean. Unholy or holy? What is the standard place for the believer in their heart? Unrighteous or righteous? So what mind should we have, a mind of perversion or a mind of Christ? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Give him a hand clap of praise if you believe it today. There's freedom. Hallelujah. Come on, we're not clapping for a man. We're clapping for Jesus. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Altar workers, would you come as the band comes? Look at this scripture in closing. Well, I'll tell you what, here's some resources first. I'm sorry. Let me get you these resources. Here's some books. Obviously, join our discipleship. But on your own, here's some books for young men, young women, married men, married women. And then there's some accountability software for your computer. I'm ready to look at some questions. Then we're going to end with this powerful scripture. And I want everyone to hear me today. I don't want you just to have information. I want you to have revelation and boom, shaka, laka. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an encounter with Jesus. I want you to have freedom today. Here's somebody ask a question. Is sex with self within marriage while thinking of your spouse adultery? I love questions like this. So if I'm married and I have sex with myself, but I think about my wife, am I okay? Or am I thinking about my husband? Um, I know people who have done that and said that's okay. I don't think that's okay. Personally, though I couldn't give you a scripture or verse, I would say this. If you want to have sex, so hard to answer this. Maturity come in Jesus' name. I receive maturity. If you want to have sex with yourself in front of your spouse, go right ahead. Not a problem, in my opinion. Sex with yourself, thinking about your spouse when you're not with them, I think would not be cool. And then if you're having sex with yourself in front of your spouse, they're like, why are you having all the fun, right? You need to <laughs> keep going. Next question. What happened? What happened if you got exposed to it when you were very young? How do you overcome this addiction? That's a good question. Um, the idea of what people have done to us is a serious issue of our sexuality. I didn't have a chance to get into it today. And let me just tap on this. People could have... Uh, desensitized you and messed you up and we have Christians have great compassion for you and Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. and I just want to let you know you did nothing wrong to either be molested or to be exposed to that and it breaks our heart as a church to know how many people have gone through that so I do believe there needs to be some inner healing like you know you need to confess that say Lord I forgive them for doing that to me and then I would say be born again if you haven't. If you are born again, now from this day forward, stop making excuses. Live free because Jesus set you free. So I, I can't keep saying, well, my daddy did it. Now I'm going to do it because now I got a new daddy. I'll be father in heaven. Amen. And I'm going to do what he does. Amen. I'm not of the Father, the devil, or even of an earthly realm. I'm of the Holy Spirit and my Heavenly Father. And Jesus, my Savior, showed me how he could do it, and I'm going to do it. Amen? Here's the scripture as we get ready to drop it like it's hot. Could you go to the ending scripture? 
And would you move this for me, uh, Pastor Brooke, because I want to lay hands on people today, very specifically. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, does anybody here believe in Jesus? I say this to you. If you hold to his teachings, you are his disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is what I want to do in closing today. We're going to sing songs after party back there, up here, whatever. But I want to do something very specific. We're going to dismiss. And if you're here today and you're just saying, Pastor, I want the last time I looked at pornography to be my last time, the last time I was sexually immoral to be the last time, that if you're that serious and you're saying, Pastor, I want to be free now, today, I want to just personally lay hands on you, have you confess Jesus, and have every bondage be broken off of you. Okay? I want to do that today. Why? Because I want you to understand it's just not illuminate. It's, it's not information. It's bringing revelation that's bringing boom shakalaka. Amen? So that's what I want you to receive. Now, here's the promise for all of us who said, I've prayed that prayer before. So if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So don't go back to it and don't believe that you have to be in this rat race, gerbil wheel of sin and repentance. We can be free from our sins and never go back to them. I want to pray that, and I'm going to ask for some people today to just get real honest. Let's close our eyes and just give it all to Jesus right now. Lord, I ask you for anyone here that's been dealing with porn and neo, turn down the music a little bit, put my mic up a little bit, please, because I want everyone to hear me. Thank you. Every head, head bowed, eyes closed, please hear my heart. Jesus, every person that's been dealing with pornania and every manifestation of it. I pray they get free today in your precious name, in Jesus' name. I ask you that by your word you will set them free and that when they walk out this door, they will never be the same again. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want you to evaluate your life in three ways because if you answer yes to any of these questions, I want to pray for you today. Altar workers come to the sides as well because I want them to come to the front as pastor lays hands on them. Here are the three questions. Just answer them to yourself. Any one of them will bring you to this altar today if you'll be humble. Number one, have I looked at pornography recently? recently looked at any printed pornography, online pornography, any of that, and I want to be free today. If that's you and you answer yes, I'm going to call you forward in just a moment. Number two, if you are in any relationship where you have been impure and you have not yet been pure consistently, living it out, walking in confidence that you will not violate each other, you're a single adult and you just want to be free. And I don't care if it has to do with homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexual, whatever it is, you have been impure with another person and you want to be free. I want you to come forward. And then number three. If you have repetitive cycles in your mind of perverted things, you ought not to be thinking about in your mind a broken record. And you want the mind of Christ and the thoughts of heaven, the pure and noble things of glory to be stamped on your consciousness. Today, I want to pray for you. Now, this is what we're going to do. Everybody say amen. You're going to be honest with yourself. We're going to dismiss. We're going to play music and let you just move. If you got to move out the door, no one's going to be staring at you is what I'm saying. But for those of you who answered yes to any of those three questions, 
I don't care if you're 104 or 14. I want to pray for you and lay my hands on you. And pastor's going to get busy with it too. And we're going to stay at this altar until you know who you are in Christ. And all things have been changed. Amen. Let's get ready to dismiss. You're either going to fellowship or you're coming to the altar to get lambasted in glory. Father, I ask you to bless us this week. Thank you for bringing everyone. Thank you for our friends that came. I pray they come back. Bless our life groups. And now, Lord, we ask you to show up in a mighty way at this altar call. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's praise him one more time. Come on. Amen. You're dismissed. If you want to come, come forward. Band, let's sing a song of freedom. Come on. If you want to come, amen, just stand right here. Come on, if you want me to pray for you right now, I loose everyone from the spirit of man-pleasing, from the spirit of fear. Come on. Come on. If you want freedom right now, you come. Jesus. Jesus. Just start singing as you come. I want to wait for everybody to get up here. Jesus. You're not coming just to a man. You're coming to the Son of God, the King of glory. Hallelujah. Who will set you free today? Come on, who else today wants pornania broken off of your life once and for all? Oh, come on, there is. Come on, put up these words on the screen, please. I want them to sing it and build their faith today. Come on. Just sing it out as you come. We're going to pray in just a moment. Prepare your heart. Come on. Come on. There's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every Come on, to break every chain. One more time, then we're going to pray. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Amen. I'll just bring it down. Come on. Come on. I don't want any altar workers praying. No altar workers praying. I want everybody here at this altar call, about half the congregation. Come on, I'm so proud of you. I don't want anybody praying. Uh, Lilani, I want her to listen. Just keep it down. Come on. You know we worship. We're going to worship till 3 in the afternoon. Come on. But I want you all to hear this today because this is what God told me to do. You know I don't do this much. But here it is. It's very simple. You weren't ashamed to come up here, were you? You weren't ashamed. Your pastor talked about it. So you're like, man, my pastor talked about having STDs and all this. Man, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to come. Now, here's the deal. Now, let's not come to the Lord with pity. I know probably every single one of you have repented for it before. You, you've come to the Lord, I'm sure. And if not, I want to pray a prayer of repentance with you just so you can know, like, man, I've gotten it right because some of you may be new. So we're going to say, Jesus, forgive me. But here's the difference between just saying, Jesus, forgive me, and walking out of here free, is you're going to say, Jesus, I believe I am free. I believe I am free. 
I did not become a Wyrostic, that's my last name, by doing things Wyrostics do. I became a Wyrostic by being born into the Wyrostic family. You are not going to become free or become holy by doing these things first. You will become holy by being who God said you are first. That's the revelation. That's it right there. And that's why when you leave out of here and a sweaty pastor's not laying his hands on you, you're going to overcome temptation because you're going to know I am who God said I am. And I can do everything he told me I can do. And I'm worth more than this. And I'm not going to be the devil's little gerbil. Sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. You're going to see who God called you to be, and you're going to live it out 100%. Amen? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to walk around the sides and spread out in a line because I'm just going to get that portable mic, and I'm going to come with pastor, and we're going to lay hands on you. So I want you to be shoulder to shoulder around this whole building. Y'all figure it out. Help them, ushers. I love you. Look at me weird for a minute, then figure it out. That means you're going to go where Elliot's around there. And that means I'm going to just walk through this whole building with this man of, pastor, man of God, will you join me? I'm just going to ask you to help me. He may have a different way of doing it, yes, but I want to do it a certain way. And I even want leaders here. I don't want any ushers to do anything. I want everybody who wants to be free to be free. And then we're just going to get free. How many believe they're free right now? How many believe Jesus died to set you free? When does that freedom start? Starts right now. How much longer would you want to be in a jail cell? If I opened the door and said you're free, would you want to be in there any longer? No, you'd, you'd be free. Now, I want everybody to get this. Some of you may think this is too easy. You may say, Pastor, this is too easy. Now, help them line up here, usher, shoulder to shoulder. You may think to yourself, and I need to walk through here. Ellie, would you help them? Somebody that has an understanding of what I'm trying to do, do this for me as I'm talking. You may say to yourself, Pastor, what is your hand laying on me going to do? This is what it's going to do. It's going to declare over you what God said about you. And my words through the power of the Holy Spirit will break off whatever's there. So now we can't say the devil said, made me do it. We can't say that it's my past. If your confession of faith is I am free, and as the man of God lays his hands on me, I am free. If you are confessing that and believing that, you will be free. And I'll talk to you next week, you'll be free. I'll talk to you a month from now, you'll be free. I'll talk to you 15 years from now, and you'll be free. Okay? Now you may say, what if I leave out of here and I sin? Then you repent and keep living free. If you say, well, I don't think it works, that's your doubt and unbelief. And your doubt and unbelief will keep you in the rat race. Because there has to come a day you say, once and for all, I am free. When was the last time you looked at pornography, Pastor? I don't know. 50, 60, 70? Yes. That's, that's what I'm talking That's called freedom. That's how many want to be free like that? How many want to have a freedom that when you're 70 years old, you can't even remember that last time? Have you ever cheated on your wife? 
Have you ever been immoral? No. That, that's the testimony. I, why are you all listening to me? Now, we as pastors are your examples. Jesus was our example, and we're now here looking unto Jesus with you. And we're saying, man, if God did it in me, he will do it in you. That's about as much counsel as you're getting today. Amen? Everything else is hands laid on you. Are you ready for this? Here's what we do while we wait for the preacher to come pray for us. We just worship. You set your heart on God. Amen? Let's get ready to pray. Put your hands up in the air right now, congregation. Declare this with me. I am born again by the power of Jesus Christ. I place my faith and trust in him that he died on the cross, was born, uh, buried, and raised again on the third day. Because of that, I am holy. I am made a new creation. I confess all my sins to the Lord Jesus right now and receive forgiveness. So right now, individually, confess them again just to clear your conscience. Come on, confess them. And if you've never done this before, do it right now. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. That's how you, that's how you repent. Say, Lord, forgive me for this. Forgive me for sex outside of marriage. Forgive me for pornography. Come on, confess it right now. Come on, get it all out. Get it all out. Every hidden thing, everything you've been ashamed of, everything you've kept from people, just get it out. I ask for forgiveness, Lord. I, I'm sorry, Jesus. I know I was wrong. Now everybody say this with me. I believe that when I confess my sin, I was forgiven. Therefore, right now, I am a new creation. Holy Spirit, fill me with your purity. Come on, say, fill me. Fill me, Lord. Now you receive it right now across this room right now. Purity, a new mind, a new mind, a new heart. Come on, receive it right now. It's yours. It's yours. God purchased for you. He's given it to you. It's yours. It's yours. Now say this with me. I know I am born again. I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am filled with the Spirit. And I am free. I am free now 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 receive it pastor i'm going to pray first then you pray with them afterwards amen come on be free as i lay my hands upon you be free be free never again never again come on freedom 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 come on say it out loud saints never 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 the same again Never the same again. Never, never. New, new, new. Freedom. Freedom. Every chain broken. Every chain broken. Broken. Come on, believe it. Say, I'm free. Say, I'm free. Never the same again. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. It's yours. Freedom. Freedom, spirit of perversion, be broken, be broken. Freedom, you are free right now. Freedom is yours. I am free. Come on, say it, I'm free.
I'm free. This is my testimony. Jesus set me free. Free. Freedom. 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 Looser. 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 Come on, say I'm free. Say I'm free. Believe it. Never the same again. Never the same again. Young men, raise up your hands and say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. Just raise your hands. Jesus, Jesus, their life belongs to you. Devil, loose them. Loose them, you spirit of violence. You spirit of perversion. Loose them right now. Be broken. Freedom. Freedom. You are free. You are free. Christ died to set you free. Come on, believe it. Do you believe it right now? Say it out, sister. I am free. I am free by the blood of Jesus. Every chain, every chain, every chain is broken. 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 You are free. You are healed. You are restored. God says he makes you new. You want to know how new God makes you? Brand new, like you've never sinned, like you've never done anything wrong. The blood of Jesus washes you. Do you believe it? Just say, I believe. I am free. You are free. Receive it. Freedom. 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 Everything of the past is past. You have only the future, the hope of God to look to. The future is yours in Christ. You are free. You are free. Freedom. Freedom. Every part of you, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, even what others have done, you are free. You are free. Satan's power does not prevail. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom in El Nombre Jesucristo. Freedom. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Never, 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 never the same again. Come on. Do you believe it, sister? Say never. Never, ever, ever. I am free. Right now, right now, right now. Jesus. Freedom never felt so good. It never felt so good to be free. This is your day, your hour, your moment. Why wait another second? Why wait another moment? Just say it, I'm free. I believe it. Just as surely as the blind man saw, just as surely as the lame man walk, walked, I am free right now. Jesus, Jesus. Come on. Now those of you up here, just